Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Uh, we are at the end of a series called Clean Heart. And we've been doing a series about the heart because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but your heart tends to attract some problems. Did you know that? A couple people. I will convince you by the end of this message that that is true. Your heart tends to attract some problems. And those things that come out of your heart, they put separation between us and God. They put separation between you and God. And that's not good. But what is good is that we can change. Amen? Oh, just a couple people. All right, guys, listen up. We can change, okay? You need to believe that, right? So you can change direction today. You're going to be awake for me today, aren't you, Bright Church? You're going to be awake for me today, aren't you, Bright Church? All right, I'm starting to believe you. The rest of you can convince me by the end. All right, the the good news is, is that we can change. We can make changes with our life. But I have learned that if you want to make changes in your life, you need to confront some things. And we cannot fix what we are unwilling to address. And so today... Uh, I'm going to address a topic and issue that, look, to be honest, I think this, this is the biggest and, and, and baddest of all the topics out of the Clean Heart series. This, this is it. It's bigger than the Michael Jackson tour, last tour. Like this, honestly, guys, this, this is it. Because the issue that I'm going to talk about today, this topic, if you've got it, you don't know you have it. That's what makes it so dangerous. Uh, If you've got it, you don't know you have it. And the reason that you don't know is because it's in your blind spot. Oftentimes this issue, it's in your blind spot. Have you ever been reversing the car? And then as you're reversing, you just like heard a crunch. Has that happened to anyone? Come on, some of you are lying right now. Like Jesus, Jesus, help them, okay? Some of you, right, or your spouse doesn't know about it yet, all right? So, So that's the other thing. I don't want to cause any trouble here, you know but you've reversed the car, you've had a crunch. I've done it. Some of you have done it. Most of you have done it. All of you have done it. And so, and so why don't you just avoid it? Why don't you just go around it? Well, you didn't see it. That's the problem with blind spots is that we, when we don't see them, when we don't know that they're there, they can tend to cause us problems. And I've discovered that. Uh, it's not just in our cars where, where we have blind spots. You can have spiritual blind spots. You can have emotional blind spots. And these things, if we don't learn how to address it or find a way to try to look into our blind spots, we're going to end up in a, in a bad way. I was watching a, a series that was on TV years ago, and it was called My Strange Addiction. Had, did, has anybody seen that show, My Strange Addiction? Just, just a couple of you. Honestly, it was amazing. It was an eye-opening experience. And it's about people with strange addictions. That's why they called it my strange addiction. So um, they were dealing with these people and they were bringing in experts to try to help them. I'll tell you about some of the people that were in there. There was a lady who was, I guess we would just call her a chalk eater. Uh, she, she ate chalk and, and she was addicted to it. She loved it. And like, it's almost astonishing, isn't it? That anybody would do that. And they said, well, what do you mean? Like, do, you, do your friends and your family, do they know about it? She said, no. They were like, how did you get away with eating chalk? She said, well, let's say I'm out with some friends and uh, I keep chalk in my handbag. And while we're sitting around having a good time, everyone's laughing, having a good time, I just reach into my handbag and I pull out some chalk. And I've got a stick of chalk in my hand. And then we'll be talking and I'll just cough. 
and I will just chew on it and nobody knows. And they're like, so no one knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knew, except that now it was aired on national television. And so that's a way to get your secrets out, isn't it? So anyway, here she is. She's eating chocolate and they said, but you can't do that. She's like, well, can't I? They're like, no, it's, <laughs> it's poisonous. Like you can't eat chalk. And they brought in experts and they said, listen, when people prepare food, like when companies prepare food, there are regulations around the preparation and the, and the environment to make sure that you don't get sick. And she says, uh-huh. Well, those regulations aren't applied to chalk because it's not a food, right? And she's like, yeah, but like, and even though they're bringing in all these people and saying, you can't eat it, she's like, yeah, but how bad is it really going to be? She just wouldn't listen. She's taken her own, own, own opinion. And you think, gosh, that's crazy. How many of these people could be out there? Well, they spoke to another lady and uh, she would uh, go to do the washing. And he, have you ever put in the washing liquid into the, into the washing machine? Have you done that? Yeah. Okay, so when you pour it in, there's like a little bit and you try to twist it so that you don't get any of the washing liquid on the, you know, it doesn't spill everywhere, right? But there's always a little bit of a drip on the edge of that cup and she would just <laughs> lick it. She was addicted to licking the cup after doing the washing. And they said, lady, it's got bleach in it. She's like, how bad is that? They're like, it's poison. You, you, can't, you can't have this. You know, you, you, can't, you can't drink bleach. You can't have this. There are chemicals in it. It's not a food. She's like, I've been doing it for years. How bad could it be? They're like, it's really bad. There was a lot of ladies in this show. There's another lady. And no one is saying that men are smarter than women. No one is saying that. So don't even, anyway, so, so there's this lady, she's going to a, a, a tanning salon and, and, you know, they have regulations about this stuff. So you can only go like, apparently it's like once every two weeks. So over in the United States. And so I think she actually created some fake ID so that she could go to a tanning salon like every day. And she was, you know, she looked like in a leather jacket. I mean, she was just crazy. She was tanned. She looked ridiculous. Like it was outrageous. But she would take her own opinion. They said, you can't do this. Why? Well, there are regulations around this. Could cause you skin cancer and all kinds of other issues, right? And again, looking at the experts, speaking to a panel of people that said, you can't do this. What did they do? They just took their own opinion. The issue that is in people's blind spots. The issue that you can't see sometimes, the thing that prevents you from making the necessary changes in your life is the issue we call pride. And it's so dangerous. It's, why? Because it's like a blind spot. It prevents you from seeing what you need to see. So, you know, when we talk about pride, there are some times where pride is a good thing. You know, you you mow the lawns, you stand back, you look at it. I'm amazing, you know. <laughs> look at this, look at this. You know, you feel that sense of pride. You know, you're in recognition of your hard work in the garden. So you see that. But when it comes to the scriptures, yeah. almost all the time, when it talks about pride, it's almost always a bad thing. Yeah. There are 12 Hebrew words that explain the word pride, but almost all of them mean the same thing. And it means to be high and lofty or to be high and lifted up. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that a person with pride thinks that they are up here and by default, everyone else must be down there. Yeah. Gives them the ability to look down on others. Oh, but it's so much worse than that. Because if you've got pride in, the, in your life, 
You don't have to listen to people. You're better than them. You're smarter than them. You don't need to take anyone's advice. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. Someone with pride basically thinks they are above other people. They think they're above other people. My um, daughter, Eliana, she was doing some work when we were in um, ISO and we had to do some homeschooling. And as a parent, one of the things that I want to do, come on, I always want to encourage my children. I always want to build them up. You know, and kids are growing, so they need the encouragement. But every now and then, things are so bad, you just need to be honest with your kids. She had this project, and she, her project was to create this plasticine tree. And I don't mind telling you, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, it was bad, guys. It was so bad. I didn't even know what it was. She brought it, and she said, Dad, what do you think? And there are moments where you're just like, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Looking at this here, it's like, I say, you know it's the wrong thing to say, but you're like, yeah, okay, what is it? <laughs> you know? And you know that that's already a fail. She's like, it's a tree. And I'm like, well, sweetheart, I gotta be honest with you, that's a terrible tree. I said, I, like, I wanna help you today, but, but that, I'm not gonna, I can't lie to you. you, you need some help, you know? And I said, do you want some help with this tree? And she goes, no, I don't need any help, you know? I said, well, all right. About 20 minutes later, what happens? She comes back, she's like, Dad, wondering if you would help me with that tree. I'm like, yeah, I would love to help you with that tree. And I guess that whole time, she kind of knew that it didn't look like a tree. It's not like we don't have, you can walk out into the garden. Does, does this look like the original? <laughs> no. So, so, you know, she kind of knew that, but you know, there's a big difference or a gap between knowing and admitting, isn't there? Like some people know that something's not quite right, but they just maybe lie to others, maybe lie to themselves, but at the end of the day, you have to really be a humble person to admit when something needs to be fixed or when it needs to be made better. See, pride has this way of creating this spiritual, emotional blindness in our lives. And I thought what I would do today is I would just give you a few ways to recognize, you know, what pride looks like. So, you know, every now and then we need to take a good look at ourselves. So the next time you're doing your hair in the mirror, you just take a extra hard look at yourself and go, hmm, I wonder if any of these are, are my issues. Could they be? So let me give you a couple of things, just ways to recognize some pride. A, a, a person, if they, have, if they struggle with pride in, in their heart, they never ask for advice, ever. And why should they? They know everything. They don't need your advice. In fact, they don't need anyone's advice. People that are prideful, they won't ask for help or advice because they already know everything. And it's, to me, it's kind of crazy because you, I mean, I get that eventually you're going to make some decisions in life. Sure, the decision rests with you. But before you make a decision, isn't it just wisdom to just get a little bit of insight from maybe some experts or other people, someone with more life experience, someone who's been down that road before, someone that knows a little bit more about the topic, and to just discount all of that and assume that you're going to land in the right spot every time. It's crazy. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool seems right. A wise man listens to advice. Yeah. See the problem with this scripture though, is that if you're the fool, you're the last one to know. Because yeah. yeah. you're thinking, this seems right. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. A fool's way seems right. Now you got to stop for a minute and think about that. And the next time you're saying, this seems right, just go, well, am I the fool? Because 
To a fool, their way seems right. But a wise man, what does he do? He listens to advice. He gets the experience of others. He gets the counsel of others. He or she, they get the, uh, women don't need this. No, they do. We all need it. Come on, we all need it. We all need wisdom. We all need advice. We do. They never ask for advice. Here's the second thing. A person who struggles with pride, they often compare themselves. They compare themselves to other people. They compare themselves to how they're going against their neighbour or against a friend or against a co-worker. How come they got that promotion? How come they're doing better? How come they've got more money? Look at where they live. Look at what they own. Look at what, how come I, when you're a prideful person, it hurts you to see other people doing well. And there's this jealousy that tends to creep in. How come I don't have what they've got? How come I don't have it? Here's a couple of things that you don't know. You don't know a thing about how they got to be there. Sometimes you don't know what they had to go through to get where they are. You don't know what God is doing in their life. You don't know why He's increasing their platform. You don't know why He's blessing them in one area or another. You don't know what God is wanting to do. Conversely, you don't know what God is wanting to do in your life. You may not know what He's wanting to do into your, in your next season. You might not know the lesson that He's wanting to teach you. I heard it somewhere recently. I think I read it somewhere recently that God gives you what you should have asked for if you had have known what He knows. He answers, your, he answers the prayers that you should have prayed. Uh, that's been my experience. He doesn't always give me what I want, but He gives me what I need. But when you spend your time getting jealous and comparing yourself to others, you're never going to end up in a good space. Never going to end up in a good space. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Don't measure yourself by others. It's not wise. You know who you should measure yourself against? You. How are you doing? How's your life going? How, are you doing better this week than last week? How's your prayer life, your spiritual life? Are you growing in Christ? Are you going backwards or are you going forwards? Are you doing better in your financial position or are you making foolish decisions that you're now needing to fix because you made a bad decision and now you need to rectify that? If you're going to compare yourself to anyone, the best person to compare yourself to is the former you. How am I going? Am I increasing? Am I growing? God, what are you wanting to do in my life in the next season? People with pride, they always compare themselves. Here's another one. People that struggle with pride, they love, oh, crave the approval of other people. They love it. They need it. They want to hear it from others, that they're doing great, that they are amazing. Of course, that ends up becoming a problem, isn't it? You ever like, I mean, so I have uh, three kids, they're all at school, and I always want to know who their friends are. And I want to know what's, who they surround themselves with. And because I want to make sure that when it comes down to it, that they're going to impress the right people. Are they going to impress their parents? Are they going to impress their teachers? Or are they going to impress their friends? Because I've discovered that sometimes people just want to impress the wrong people. You know, when it comes to the things of God, if you're always wanting the accolades of people, have you noticed that sometimes to please our culture and to please people in general, that you have to do the opposite of what God wants you to do with your life? Yeah, Yeah? have you noticed that? So if you're spending your time trying to please the wrong people, what's gonna happen to you? You will cross a line that you shouldn't cross to impress people you have no business impressing in the first place. Here's what the Scriptures say about it. Galatians 1.10, desire the approval of God. Now, I can't help but think, 
If we just lived our lives that way, there'd be no fear of man. We're not, we're not worried about what other people think of us. We're worried most about what God thinks of us. And I just can't help but think that if we were to live like that and we didn't desire the accolades, the approval of other people, life would be simpler. We would be healthier. We would be happier. Here's the fourth one. People with pride, and this is kind of obvious, but they think more highly of themselves. Romans 12, 3 says this, use sober judgment. Use sober judgment. People that think really highly of themselves are impressed by themselves. Of course, they're not always using sober judgment. Their vision of who they are can be impaired. Yeah? So if your vision of who you are is inflated, if, if it's impaired, you may think that you're this good. And I don't know, may, maybe you are that good. I don't know, right? But I know that people that think they're amazing can sometimes have impaired judgment. What do you got to do? You got to have sober judgment. How do you get that? Well, every now and then it's just good to have someone in your life that tells you the truth. I've discovered that prideful people, they often don't have anyone like that in their life. They don't have anyone that's going to come to them and say, you can't think like that. You can't talk like that. You can't. This is crazy. You've got to give this up. You've got to walk away. You, you put that down. Lay that down. Stop. Do you have anybody in your life that can say no to you and you'll listen to? Just think about that for a minute. If there's no one in your life that says stop and you would listen to, it's possible, if you're not willing to listen to anyone, it's possible that you've got some pride issues. Just possibility. It's worth thinking about. Prideful people, Honestly, they, they, if you're really proud and you've got no one to listen to, prideful people often think that they are the smartest. <laughs> that is just the worst, isn't it? It's the worst because their judgment is impaired. And you know how it comes off? If you've ever met a prideful person, like what does it come off as? Arrogance, doesn't it? It just comes off as like, wow, man, that person's so arrogant. It comes across as like stubbornness or, or, or vanity. That's how it just looks to everyone else. And I've discovered that when it comes to your heart, your heart has the ability to become prideful about so many things. Like the categories are limitless. You could become prideful about your position in life. You're driving a car, you pull up next to someone, your car's better than theirs. And somewhere in your mind, you just compared yourself to them because you're like, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. That's how you go. That's like one of the warnings. Like we should have a little warning in our cars. Wouldn't it be cool if that came with that feature? Woo, woo, woo. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Just stop. That's better than hazard lights. Like hazard in the car. Like not ahead, like hazard in the car, right? You are in trouble. Stop thinking like that. You've got to get your mind out of that space. You could be, you become prideful about spiritual things, you know? You think, are you serious? Like, how do you come prideful about spiritual things? Remember Paul said, oh, some people are preaching the gospel for selfish gain. Oh, they're preaching it to build their own platform. It's about them. Yeah. Oh, you could, become, you could become prideful about your spirituality. I'm sure it's happened many times in churches where people have walked in and thought, I am so theologically astute. 
I am probably, yeah, I'm the sharpest guy here. <laughs> Seriously. I reckon I probably know more than that guy with the microphone right now. It's cool. I don't need it. I know who I am, you know. <laughs> Come on, this has to happen. Yeah. People, are, you could be prideful about your position in life. You could be prideful about your finances, emotionally, spiritually. It doesn't matter. Your heart comes up with endless categories to be prideful about. And the reason why this matters and the reason why I'm preaching it is because you need to know that God hates it. He hates it because you're unteachable. And the moment you're unteachable, you know what? No one can help you. It wouldn't matter who had the microphone. No one can help you. Why? Because it's not that the words aren't going out. It's just that they're not hitting home. And this happens all the time. It has to happen if people have got a, a hard heart. Pride is unlimited capacity for self-deception. That's why they had made an entire series about people with strange addictions who refused the counsel of experts and remained committed to something that was damaging their health because they just wouldn't listen to anyone. And this, this, they had a couple of series about this. Why there were there just so many cases that you could diagnose around the world? I remember a friend of mine um, years ago who was hanging out, you know, just with the boys. And what, what happens when you just hang out with the boys? Bench press competition. Yep, yep. So we had a men's event here last night. You know what it was? Bench press competition. That's all it was. Nothing. We canceled the speaker. We said, you know what would be better than a speaker? Let's get a bench press in. It's not true. Just totally making this up. None, none of this is true. It was a great speaker. Great night. You should have been there if you're a man. But anyway, honestly, it was great, right? But this is what happens when you get the boys together sometimes. So, so, so now what, are they, what is happening? People are like, you know, come on, put the weights on, put the weights on. And they're stacking the weights up. And then this guy is like, no, nah, come on, let's go. I can lift heavier than that. And he's really pushing it, right? But he's like, stack them on, stack them on. Let's go, boys. Got under the bench press, lifted it off, went straight down, damaged his shoulder so badly. Now what's happened? Well, his pride was hurt, his shoulder hurt, and his finances hurt because he's a chippy. And that meant that he couldn't work and do what he used to do. Do you see how how all of this could have been avoided if there just wasn't this pride issue. See, this is, that's the thing about pride. That's the, that's the price of pride is that you end up hurting yourself. You end up damaging yourself. That's what happened to, to this guy. Listen to this, Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride goes before the destruction of your shoulder. It should say that, doesn't it? It says, pride goes before destruction. And a haughty, that means prideful, a prideful spirit before a fall. Oh, I like it as Jesus said it. Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Well, guys, you got two choices. Choose wisely. You elevate yourself, you get humbled. You be humble, you get elevated. I mean, make the smart play, right? You, you, you would choose wisely based on these things. I, I, I tell this to my kids all the time. I always say, guys, there are two ways you can learn. Amongst my kids, they look at life a little bit differently. I have uh, one, one child that learns by listening, and I have two children that learn by doing. I worry about them, you know, a lot. Because I'm like, guys, listen, there are two ways you can learn. You can, you can listen to the advice and the wisdom of other people. You could read a book about that topic and grow and learn. You could understand some things, right? Or you could just walk out and make all the mistakes yourself, but it's so costly to do it. So, so rather than you ignoring the wisdom and advice, the sound advice of other people, right? You know, 
rather than doing that and making the mistakes, just, just change. Because what did I say at the start? The good news is we can change, amen? So, so, so let's change. Like instead of just taking our own counsel, he who takes his own counsel breaks out against all sound judgment, right? So, so rather than taking your own counsel, get some wisdom, get some understanding. It, it, it costs you less in the long run. Like I'll give you an example of this. We, I remember we were on a family holiday when, when I was growing up. And we pulled over on the side of the road just to take a break. And so we're just walking around, we're sort of stretching our legs and we come up to this fence. And there's a sign on the fence that says, electric fence, right? So if we were really smart, we would have just gone, hey, it looks like this is an electric fence. We can read. But what would be better than reading it's an electric fence would be to know it's an electric fence. So let's find out. And that's what we did. And we grabbed that fence just to see what would happen. I told you, there's two ways you can learn, right? We grabbed that fence. It felt like somebody got a baseball bat and just hit me in the hands. You know, like, and, and I would have... How many of you guys know it would have been smarter for me to just read the sign and leave it at that, right? There are two ways you can learn. And every now and then people break out against sound judgment, against people with previous experience or life or wisdom or whatever it is. And they, they don't read, they just have to make the mistake themselves in order to learn and in order to grow. And as I look through the scriptures, I tell you, the scriptures are littered with people who just didn't learn by listening. They had to make a mistake in order to fully understand it. It, it gets bad, right? So Let's just start at the beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve. Yeah, what happened? God comes to them and He says what? Don't eat the fruit. Right? And you think about all the laws we have to obey today. One thing. Right? You can do anything you want. Just don't eat the fruit. Right? And then the devil comes and says what? He says, you know, it would be really cool if you ate the fruit. And if you eat the fruit, you'll become like God. And they're like, oh, wow, that's great. I guess somewhere in their psyche, they're thinking, yeah, well, I mean, you know, if we become like God, I guess we probably need Him less. We can control our lives more. You know what would be great? Let's eat the fruit. I reckon people still live like this. We don't, we don't really need God. We don't need Him. We know enough. If I get enough wisdom, enough knowledge, I don't really need Him. We still have this problem. The same problem that Adam and Eve had, which at the absolute core of it is this issue of pride, right? What did they say? We can do it ourselves. We can do it ourselves. So what do they do? They take the fruit. How did that turn out? Guys, this is an open book test. So you're currently living in the consequences of their decision, right? Okay, it went bad, everybody. Just so you know, it went really bad. Didn't work out for any of us. Let's just fast forward a couple of chapters. Guys, they're building a tower, Tower of Babel, right? What did they say? Hey, we're going to build this thing. And no one can stop us, oh, except for God, when He made them speak different languages. And they're like, okay, the only thing that could stop us is if we can't understand each other. They abandoned the project halfway through. Why? We can't understand. Why are you speaking this weird language? Yesterday I spoke to you, you were fine. What is your problem? And your problem, and your problem. Wait, what is going on here? You know, they can't understand, right? So what happens? They totally abandon the project. They, what was the issue? Pride. They wanted to build something to glorify themselves. And God said, not on my watch, not having it. What about Pharaoh? You remember the story about Pharaoh? And what does Moses come? Let my people go. And he's like, no. 
And how did that work out? Well, God starts sending plagues and he's like, let my people go. No, no. Okay, just kidding. No, right? And they go through the process until we get to the very last plague. And it's a terrible thing that happens. Pharaoh loses his firstborn son in that plague that came through. And you think, you know what? How much pain could he avoided if he had have just been humble? problem with Pharaoh is he couldn't really quite reconcile why this group of slaves led by their God should have the authority and the power to overthrow the most powerful kingdom on earth. How could they? Egypt, we're Egypt. Who tells us what to do? We tell other people what to do. How much a pain could that entire nation have avoided if they had have just said, we understand who your God is. We've seen a lot of things. Um, just go. And what happened? They oppose God. And it never ends well. It never ends well when we're proud. Why? Because we're found to be opposing God. Remember the scriptures like literally say this. It is an open book test. It says 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Guys, there's two choices. Choose wisely. Make the right call here. God brings down the proud. He lifts up the humble. Choose wisely. What are you going to do? If you lift yourself up, He'll bring you down. If you're a humble person, He'll bring you up. You just got to make the right call. It kind of makes sense to me. You know, I'm coming up to being the senior pastor of this church for 10 years, okay? I know, time goes quick. I think about all the messages I preach. Every time I preach a message, I always think to myself, there's got to be some kind of call to action here you know like otherwise what am I telling people so when we get to the end of every message and it's coming at the end of this one just so you know (laughs) when we get to the end of every message I'm going to say something that the word of God says and then I'm going to say does this affect your life or impact your life in any way shape or form and I'm always astonished Because there are people who I think, oh man, there's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then I reckon you're just below, you're amazing. Like this, you know, amazing people. And they're they're usually the ones that are like, oh man, you got me, God. You know, and and they're they're humble people. And I think, oh wow, I'm surprised that you would feel like you want to respond to this. But I guess every church, every church around the world will have people that will walk into it for years. And we get to the end of the message And to be honest, guys, like we cover a lot of topics in a year. They're pretty strategically selected. Make sure that we've got a bit of everything in there as much as we can. And there are people that would come to church, you know, in every church around the world. And we would get to that point where we say, do you feel like you need a response? And they'll be like, We get to the altar call. Not me. It's probably their problem. It's not mine. I need it. Hands in pockets. I don't need it. I don't need help. They need help, but not me. You know, this is a great message for my friend. This is great for my husband. I hope he's listening. You know, it's astonishing to me. We could cover so much and people would walk in. Do you know what that is? That's pride. There's no way 
There's no way that we can get through a full year and you didn't need to respond to anything. We cover everything. I respond to stuff. Guys, I preach to myself. You know? And I think, honestly, that's pride. I, I think in order to respond and say, yeah, I need help, it, it requires humility, doesn't it? And you know, like even the very foundation of our faith requires humility. At the absolute foundation of what we believe, it is a core belief that you are not perfect. You fall below God's standard of perfection. The Scriptures say that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, right? So to even ask God for help, you have to first admit to yourself that you're not perfect. You have to do that. Because if you think that you're perfect, there is no need to repent. There's no need to change your life. And here is Jesus who says, just so you know, I've already paid the penalty for your sin. So you've made mistakes with your life. I've already paid it. All you need to do is admit it. You just need to admit it. And if you admit it, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. But there will be plenty of people who just refuse to admit that or even acknowledge it. I think it's, I think it's, it's wild. If you want God's help, the first thing you've got to do is recognize that you need it. The second thing you need to do is ask for it. Let me give you an example. One of the things that we teach here at Bright Church is water baptism. We do it biblically. There's reasons for that. So what happens, right? You, get, you sit in the water. We do full water immersion under the water and up again. It's symbolic of Jesus' death, His burial, His resurrection. Okay? It's a public confession before your friends and family of your faith in Jesus. So one of the things that we teach here is that there, and I, just to be really clear, there is, there is no such thing as infant baptism. It's unbiblical. It doesn't exist. It's not real. You're a baby. Are you kidding me? What did you repent of? Like, what did, did you lose your bottle? Like, seriously, what is, what is your issue when you're six months old? What did you repent of? What did you confess? When did you stand before your friends and family and say, I need to really turn my life around. This last six months have been a real drag. Like, like at what point did you get before God and identify with His death, burial and resurrection? You didn't. You can't. Infant baptism, not a thing. So, and I'm sure I'm offending someone here. It's very easy to do that. So, when people are baptized as an infant and they get later on and they hear some crazy preacher with a microphone saying it doesn't count, they're immediately offended. They shouldn't be. It's helping them actually. Because what they did, it's not baptism. And Jesus wants us to get baptized. So this isn't an issue between me and anyone. This is like between you and God. So the Scriptures clearly say you need to get water baptized. They say that, it's clear, it's obvious. So how are you going to get around it? And the reality is what people do in this scenario is they go, I just don't believe you. <laughs> or I'm not listening. Their heart closes. And do you know what closes that heart? Pride. 
That's what that is. Because I've had conversations with people. They said, listen, I have been, I've been a Christian all my life. I'm even a leader in the church. And, and how could I get water baptized now? That would look ridiculous. Oh, sounds like you're impressing the wrong person or wrong people. You know, imagine if you just got rid of all of those worries about what other people thought and you just thought, I'm just going to impress God. Remember, that's what the scripture said. Didn't say that. Desire the approval of God first. So important. Here's what the prophet Samuel said. He said, to obey is better than sacrifice, to listen than the fat of rams. You know what he's saying? You know what's better than saying to God, I'm sorry, it's just doing what he asks. And pride will stop people from obeying because they just get hard hearted. And so we don't want to be like that. We don't want to have those issues. I want to finish with a story about a man named Naaman. He's a commander in the Syrian army, mighty warrior, but he's got leprosy, serious problem. No one can be around him. No one can, you know, uh, come close to him. It's, it's seriously, it's like a death sentence for these people. So it's a, it's a really tough issue. And so Naaman has a wife and they have a slave girl out of Israel who says to Naaman's wife, hey, there's a prophet in Israel that I believe could help with this. And so he sends a letter to the king of Israel and says, hey, could you help with this? The king reads the letter and he's freaked out because he's like, how am I going to fix this problem? What am I going to do? But of course, there's a prophet in Israel. The prophet is a prophet, so he knows about it. Let me tell you what it says. Second Kings 5 verse 8. It says, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, which is what people did back then, if they were stressed or in anguish, they'd tear their clothes in, the, in mourning, they'd do it. He said to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. He just sent a messenger out to Naaman. He said, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand to call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place, you know, like do something really spiritual. Like maybe, I don't know, like get some branches, some leaves, some oil. There's some ceremony here, right? No. He just sends out a messenger to speak to him. So he's angry. He walks away. He says, I I I'm not going to do this. He says, Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be cleaned? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near to him and said, My father, it's a great word. The prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like that of a little child. And he was clean. You know what really saved Naaman there? Humility. Had nothing to do with the river Jordan. I bet you other lepers could have gone into it and it didn't help them. He could have gone to a different river and that wouldn't have helped either. The point was, Naaman, you may think that you're amazing, but let me just humble you, wash in the waters of Israel. And I, I, I read that story and I think, you know what? It was his humility that saved him. It's your humility that will sometimes save you. Why? Because God brings down the proud, but He lifts up those that are humble. And every time you move away from God, every time you're prideful, every time you say you don't need Him and you move away from Him, do you know what happens? It ends up hurting you. 
There's a, there's a scripture in the, in the Bible, Acts 26, if you want to read it, where Paul the Apostle is describing his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. This guy Saul is the same guy that we call Paul in, in the New Testament. So he has this encounter and Jesus comes to him and he describes it a bit better in Acts 26. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Saul is on his way to kill some Christians. So he says, why are you persecuting me? And he says to him, it's hard to kick against the goad. I don't know if you've ever seen that. What is it? What's a goad? A goad is like a, a, a timber spike or a metal spike that they attach to the door of a pen that they would keep animals in. So you get an animal that's just big enough and strong enough. You get like some big bull and it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to be able to break down that gate and they're going to be able to escape. So to prevent that from happening, they use a goad. And the goad is their big sharp spike. So it means that if the animal wants to get close enough to kick down the door, the first thing it has to do is pierce itself on it in order to do it. And Jesus is saying, you can resist me, but you're only going to hurt yourself. That's exactly what happens with people. We can resist them. I don't need your help. I don't need anyone's help. And it's going to pierce you. It's going to end up hurting you. And if you if you're a person that struggles with pride, I told you, it could be a blind spot. Maybe this is like an unveiling in some way. There's some things that you like maybe recognize or see here. But if, if you know someone, let's say that, if you know someone that struggles with pride, well, honestly, I, I feel sorry for them. Because pride is not only probably the cause of a lot of the problems they're having in their life right now, it's also the greatest cause of most of their future problems. Most of their future problems because it just continues to cause issues in people's lives. I told you, your heart can attract some issues. We talked about it, like in this series, we, we talked about it, we dealt with some big topics, maybe some big issues, but if you're too prideful to admit that you need help from anyone, it doesn't matter what those issues are. You can't be helped because you're not willing to listen because you think none of it's a problem. That's why pride is the most dangerous of all of the topics that we could ever talk about. That's why I said, this is it. This is the one. Because if this thing is not dealt with, then you're gonna have issues all over the place. So what happens if you think, maybe this is an issue. The first thing you need to do is recognize it. And you need to go to God and recognize it. The second thing you need to do is you, you need to ask for His help. It takes great humility to be able to do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for people this morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.